Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. So 2022 wasn't the, your normal year when it comes to VCs, investment funding in the region, but maybe worldwide. And for those who are not experts like me, and what happened and want to be educated of what really happened uh, in the ecosystem worldwide, but specifically in our MENA region. Can you just uh, shed the light on what happened, why did it happen, uh, paint the picture for us, for those who are not experts and want to know more, please. It's, it's, it's a good question and I've had the answer. If I did have the answer, I'll be a very smart individual, right? But the MENA region lags behind when it comes to what happened globally, right? Specifically, like what happened in the world in or the hit that we saw globally when it came in June, July, August of last year, we're probably seeing now. There was a lag, there was an abundance of capital in the region. So last year was not as bad as we've seen in other markets. There were pipelines. We put in the first two years, 2021, 2022, of our existence as Access Bridge, we've done 14 deals. So it was an active period for us. But you know, there was a lot of money over the past couple of years, a lot of cheap money going to VC funds globally and regionally. That's created a bubble, or it's not the right word, created a pool of capital with investors. Can, can you define cheap money, please? Huh? What, what do you mean by cheap money? Cheap money, basically money with interest rates were zero. You know, sovereigns funds, uh, 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 DFIs, uh, corporates were finding ways to generate returns. Instead of putting it in a bank account or a deposit to generate yield or a bond, they were looking at alternative asset classes. And that's why part of the reason why VC flourished over the past period. So that money was funneled into riskier assets to generate more returns. So cheap money, it was easier for people like myself and others out there in the region to raise a fund or their first fund. You know, we went to market to raise 25 million bucks. That's what I wanted. We ended up closing at 35. We didn't say no to that. Can we do that right now? Who knows? The climate has changed. So there was an abundance of capital. There was a push from in the region, specifically governments, to empower and uh, push their entrepreneurial agenda. So what that led with, pipeline, money, ecosystem growth. Right now, things have changed. A lot of money has been spent over the past few years. Uh, interest rates are going up. That cheap money concept is slowly disappearing. Uh, people are more stringent on how they look to invest and who they invest with. So it'll be interesting times ahead. But last year was a decent year. 2021 was good. 2022 was okay. 2023, we'll find out. All right. And I know, uh, Abudi, we, we were having the discussion and you sort of disagree with this. You think, I mean, you, you think last year was good. This year might be good as well. It's not about on a macro level. I just think, so for Dash specifically, we, we made a conscious uh, decision not to invest in 2020 or 2021 and only support the portfolio. So because of that, we felt like we weren't exposed to a lot of the hype trends and buzzwords of you know, crypto and all that stuff. And that put us in position to invest in 2022. Now, on the one hand, I do agree with Arisa that this year it could, be, it could go up, it could go down. But what I do think is that in general, our region's at an inflection point. So you have now an interest from international investors. You have local investors setting up regional Series B funds, which hasn't existed before. 
and you actually have a high quality of pipeline companies, whereas a couple of years ago, it was actually quite stressful to engage with the pipeline. Now, on the other hand, the one thing that'll stop our region from actually developing further is the fact that it's still very difficult for companies to operate in multiple different countries. So for example, we've got a company in our portfolio, it's highly de-risked, it's a Series B company, and they're launching in a new market, and it's taken them over a year to, over a year to acquire a license in that secondary market. So until we have this habit and we develop this sort of reputation of enabling cross-border cooperation and collaboration, we're going to be at a standstill and all this new investor interest isn't going to translate into the exits that we need. But, but one can argue that we have new emerging markets that are being part of the ecosystem. For example, Pakistan. Jan, I want to bring you to the discussion. We're seeing many VCs today are actively looking at deals of Pakistan. We're see, seeing lots of startups in Pakistan coming to the region. And we're seeing this exchange. Do you think this is something that's going to continue to happen? Tell us what's happening in your ecosystem. So 2021 was brilliant for Pakistan. 2022, part of 2022 was very good. But latter half of 22 sort of became a bit slow. Now 2023, I think, is going to be challenging. Uh, VCs are investing, but only in existing portfolio companies to keep them going till the end of the year when the global economy is expected to uh, go up again. And then I think the investments will start again. So the Pakistan ecosystem is, is good. There are a lot of startups now uh, with seasoned founders, people who've been part of companies like Kareem or uh, Daraz and uh, organizations like that. So some of the early mistakes that were made in Pakistan may not be made by these people because they've been part of companies, they've seen how to scale, they've seen the mistakes that have been made and they'll avoid them. Um, also, there are a number of Pakistanis who are coming back from the US, UK, elsewhere, with experience of those markets. And so that is helping as well, because they're becoming part of these organizations. Also, banks, financial uh, organizations want to innovate. You know, they want to be cool, and but they don't know how. So they're working with fintechs. You know, there's so many areas that uh, Pakistani startups are working in now. Logistics, e-commerce, health tech, ed tech. You name it, they're ride hailing. Everything needs to be disrupted. And it's a big country with a large population. But many of them are working with UAE, also working with Saudi now. And so I think MENA in Pakistan is sort of, uh, the startups are working together in many areas. Amazing. And yeah, we're seeing more of this. I'll, I'll, uh, I saved the best for last. Uh, I'm a, the ultimate optimist. Uh, you had a very good year. Tell us more. I mean, um, uh, I always have a good year. You always have a good the year. Do you time, think 23 right? is going to be a good year for you guys? Tell us. I mean, you deployed in, in 22. You had some good deal flow. You're, mashallah, active also in Pakistan, Egypt, other markets. How are you doing it? Tell us the secret sauce. I mean, I see Risa scratching his head, trying uh, to. Allah is yeah. I'm trying to learn what the secret sauce is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell us, <laughs> tell us. the secret, secret sauce, what's sauce, happening? Yeah. How are you guys doing it? No secret sauce. I think, I think being at an early stage and a pre seed and seed investor, you have to be an optimist. You're always getting into risky situations. So you can't defeat the fact that you're actually going to get into a, you know, a case where you have to use your maximum, you know, gut judgment. But at the same time, we're trying to look and keep an eye at the opportunities and at the market and founders, literally. Really, that's our you know recipe for you know looking at the deal at the beginning because I'm betting on them. I'm betting on the fact that if this falls, they're gonna get up and do something else. I'm betting on the fact that if markets change, they're gonna be able to figure out other ways. So 
I think that we need to keep that sense of optimism because if we're the pessimists, you know, what's going to happen, you know, to the rest that are going to go to the next stages? Why did we have a good year? I think, you know, for us, uh, we invest in two ways. So we're an accelerator fund. So we're always deploying, right? So we're always actually looking for deals actively. I have part of my team here. I think our job is to always go and look for a lot of these founders and really figure out the ones we can support, at least the minimum you know, support that we can give in terms of value, in terms of access to market, in terms of possibilities. You know? So we ask, what can we help you with? And if we cannot help, we're probably not going to be the right investors for them at this stage, right? So we need to understand the synergies, really. I think an observation that I wanted to actually just second on, you know, um, what you just mentioned over here, which is we're noticing that there is much more experienced founders, like ex-corporates, you know, ex, uh, you know, second venture, you know, they're coming out of a lot from Kareem, actually, what we're noticing, which is very interesting, and a lot of other companies, soup.com and all of those. So... I think the hype, you know, and the excitement of last year gave the experienced founders, you know, a little bit of like confidence. You know, I can do it. There is market. Others have done it. Maybe it's the right time that I use the leverage, you know, my access to market and the confidence. And we're noticing also from the other investors, you know, there are some VCs that are telling us we love the experienced ones. You know, if you're actually investing in someone who's done it, comes from the industry early stages also to read, because when we invest in the company, we want them to get follow on funding. If I am the optimist all the time and I invest really in these markets, you know, but they can't fundraise, then there is a problem. So it's our job also to direct and mentor, and that's what we do in the accelerator. So, so, so what I'm hearing from you that there is absolutely no issue with deal flow, but I, um, you know, we, we had a discussion earlier, uh, you know, when we were preparing for this. Or I'm talking not about saying it. there is no issue. Okay, what's the issue? <laughs> that's sorry, not one. sorry. That's a very big one. <laughs> you know, sorry. I. I think it fluctuates, you know, we're, we're not always, so I think, how many startups are in the room? Raise of hands. Oh, wow. Awesome. Are you all fundraising? All right. Have you fundraised before? All right, lovely. That's, that's good. That's, that's a very good, very good actually number. All right. So it's not about the fact that there isn't, I think, a deal flow. And it's really great. So this is a small room and you've seen, you know, the raise of hands. I think it's just about really figuring out, you know, we are an accelerator managers, you know, we look at that big deal flow. Yeah. I can't replicate a lot the same sector. So we're seeing a lot of repeated ideas. So that's one thing. Like I can't put, you know, the deployment in three different companies that are exactly the same, right? What kind of support? There will always be conflict. I need to look at different markets and other stuff. So that's one thing. It's just the innovation, you know, in the beginning of the idea. That's one thing that Agreed. I would love to see more of. And Agreed. I'll leave it to the rest to comment, actually. Uh, I, I would love for Ais to comment on this. Yeah. Are you, what, what's your notion and feeling about deal flow in the region? So it depends. Like last year was a very entrepreneur-led ecosystem or deal flow process, right? There was more money chasing limited pipeline. So entrepreneurs became uh, a bit more aggressive, created that FOMO effect. Investors were fighting against each other. Prices were becoming, what's the polite word, uh, crazy. Uh, that's the polite word I'll use. Polite enough. And uh, yeah, it was interesting times, right? What about uh, now? Uh, right now, it's shifting, right? You know, people raise their hands. How hard, this is the first time you're fundraising, most of you said that. But I think raising money right now is going to come with a lot more scrutiny a lot more uh, fundamentals and uh, a lot more uh, it won't be as easy as it was last year why because the supply of capital is being a bit more conservative people are looking for more fundamentals 
which is great. That's what we did. That's why we didn't spend all, you know, we've only deployed 40% of our capital last year, uh, or the first two years, as opposed mm. to our peers who may have spent a bit more. But also one, one can argue that there are many alternative uh, funding today, mechanisms coming to the region. You know, yeah, that's that, great, We need a lot more money for okay. the region. People say there's a lot of money. There was, and there will continue to be support. But it's all in one bucket, right? So we do early stage, similar to you, maybe slightly yeah. between you and the next level. But yeah, venture debt, uh, factoring, yeah, there's so many different ways to get money. But it's all still nascent and it's still immature. Uh, it will change and the people doing that will learn from that process and start you know, providing that funding, those funding needs. But it's still a VC-led ecosystem. You want to raise money? Raise debt. Who... Like I can guarantee most fintech startups who are should be raising debt to finance their operations. Do you have fintech startups to... here? Yeah. Have you have you raised from debt any no they don't. No, it's it's impossible. Banks are not gonna give you money. Venture debts are still starting, they're new, a bit more conservative than they should be. So it's still challenging, right? So you end up financing a uh, 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 debt through equity, which is horrible because you get diluted as an entrepreneur. So it's still, there's a lot of challenges. It's improving. What I predict based on pipeline is over the past six months, there has been massive layoffs. Twitter fired most of their staff here. And Microsoft, Google, you name it. These are the tech companies. The startups, the fast-growth startup, high-growth stuff, a lot of them have laid off. So what this means, people are starting innovating again. And probably by mid to end of next year, you're going to see that breath of new, uh, you know, that, that breath of new, fresh new air, new entrepreneurs coming onto the scene, who knows what will come? But I'm optimistic of what's going to happen towards the end of the year. Now, I want to stay with optimism. And Abudi, your face is very like optimistic. You said you deployed 22, although you didn't in two years. Uh, what's the plan for this year? Do you think that you're going to see um, more pipeline with what you're interested in in early stage? And so different sectors, certain sectors. Is innovation something that really we're seeing in new startups that are emerging based on need and what's happening? Maybe new sectors that are emerging that... We have the opportunity to compete on even on a global level. So technically speaking, Arabs in general are very talented. So I don't think there's going to be a lag in terms of developing the necessary skills to like tackle these new trends like AI and stuff like that. That being said, until we have like specialist funds, until we have actual success stories from companies like that, it's going to be very hard to scale. Now, just going back a couple of questions about the pipeline. Yeah. While I do think the quality of companies has improved a lot, I still think Founders in our region struggle to prepare for investor calls, for actual deep dives and due diligence. I think because of what happened in 2021 and 2022, where a lot of investors were happy to just give money on, a, on like, quite frankly, a lot of investors gave money to, to pretty bad companies. And I think that created a habit of not necessarily building data rooms with like deep sets of data. Now, when you look at what Lisa was just saying now in terms of like the availability of capital, because of what we've seen in the past couple of years, it's going to be good for the ecosystem that founders actually now have to focus on profitability. They have to focus on fundamentals and they honestly have to focus on learning how to pitch their companies better to investors. So what's the direct effect of this? Are we going to see smaller pre-seed uh, rounds? Are we going to seed and pre-seed are rarely going to be affected by those global macro terms because as it stands, those valuations are pretty early. I think in general, the biggest thing we're going to see now is a lot of M&A. Oh, I love that you're shaking your head. Oh, okay. uh, hold that thought. Before, hold that no, thought. before you go, per, again, yeah. personally speaking, I've seen fairly valued deals in the last year. Now, I've also seen highly unfairly valued deals in the last year. So, of course, you get both sides of the spectrum. But in terms of what I think the biggest you know, differentiation will be is that companies that now raised in the last couple of years that only raised for 
let's say 12 months of runway, you're going to learn that when you go to market, you should be raising for at least 18 to 24 months because you don't know what's going to happen. And I think learning how to be financially frugal is going to be the major step for a lot of startups in our region. You're nodding your head. You're yeah, disagreeing? I mean, fairly valued is very subjective, right? You know, what do you when, mean? You know, for, at some point last year, I was getting European, US deals with spectacular entrepreneurs cheaper than what I was finding in Saudi. But again, it's a function of supply and demand, right? So I don't 100%. disagree with what you're saying. There is outliers and on both ends of the spectrum. It's, it's your job and duty as an investor to choose the ones that you feel are best for you and your mandate. Very true. And, you know, uh, you can, you know, these startups can be even manufacturers, I mean, accelerators. Jihan, you are in a young entrepreneurial ecosystem that really, as you said, exploded in the past couple of years. You're an accelerator. They produce good quality uh, startups. Maybe you are a bit in a different situation with what's happening here in MENA. Uh, but do you anticipate the same issues the guys are talking about when it comes to difficulty in fundraising? And, uh, and so, although you are in an early stage uh, in the ecosystem as a development. Uh, yeah, I see the same problems, the same issues. I think investors are going to uh, make sure that there's more scrutiny because when uh, companies in emerging ecosystems raise, they raise and they start spending as if it's going out of style. And so they don't manage their finances the way they should. Uh, and so now I think investors have got a little more careful. They want to know if founders know what they're going to do with the money, how they're going to spend it, how they're going to grow, all of that. Um, accelerators like ours, the whole idea is from what you were saying, from the earliest stage where we teach them how to pitch to investors, how to prepare themselves, how to make sure they're ready, um, you know, how to manage their money. All of that is the role of accelerators like ours, how to connect them. So in, in emerging markets like ours, the connection to mentors and investors is, is lacking. So we need to make sure that we do that. And that's the role I think that accelerators have to play to ensure that the startup founders are ready to pitch to people like this, who can then give them the money that they need. So, yeah. You want to add something? Yeah. Uh, her mic's off. Uh, Amel's there. Yeah. No, no, I think. I'll give you a mic. But, uh, is Amel's mic working, guys? In the back? Can I borrow your mic? Yeah, no, no. He doesn't want to give me his mic. It's true, right? I was like, <laughs> it's working now. Love the spotlight. <laughs> All right. So, I think the point that I wanted just to add to what Abudi was saying, one of the things that we always talk to the entrepreneur, especially at the very early stage, is a healthy cap table. Because it takes a long time to restructure a cap table after it's been really completely diluted. So we've met a lot of companies that raised on saves, but they never calculated the dilution. They've never done simulations. And then when you actually do the full dilution you know, on the Excel sheet, you find out that they got diluted by 55% at a pre-seed. Yeah. I've seen this like two times yeah. probably in the past few months. So again, as exactly. much as you might not think of that, I think this is a simple advice that you can get from anyone who can run, you know, this. We have mentors inside the Accelerator. That's the first exercise that we do. True. We have the magical Anais, you know, and that's the weapon that we have. She runs these simulations and we realize what it is. One thing that we can do as Accelerator, we've gone into conversations with investors to talk about restructuring. You know, can we, what is the impact on the company? In every sector, you could anticipate, we're not sure 1,000%, you can anticipate that they will need multiple rounds, right? And there are businesses that maybe will raise just, you know, a great seed and then they don't raise after that, they become profitable, I don't know. But 
managing and maintaining a healthy cap table is one of the one-on-ones that you really need to think about. And giving equity easily is not a good thing, really, yeah. at the early stage. So it's it's a skill that they need to manage and understand really how they do. So, Pamela, I, I want to ask. Uh, it might sound like a weird question, but is actually on the longer term, what's yeah. happening in the market, good or bad for startups? In terms of what's happening in what, you know, in which area? Uh, I mean, the funding dilemma, you know, the difficulty of fundraising, pipeline, everything. I think it's just the natural progression. Natural we just cycle. started. Look, we just started. But is it is it good? I think there is a role that we need to play as VCs. There is a role we need to play as ecosystem builder. There's a role for the regulators to play. There's There's a role for everyone. Now... Are we all, you know, getting close towards the real thing? You know, there is no one single country that have done it all 100%, I think. But we all try to do what we can do, getting closer, literally talking to VCs and sharing ideas, for example. So we invested, you know, with Dash, for example. How do we support the founders? Whom do we need to talk to? So I think we go the extra mile of how far we can go. But whether it's good or bad, I think, you know, there are things that happens that are really great. So it's a cycle, huh? I, th I think so. I don't know. Uh, but I think, it's good. I think it's very good, actually. What we're oh. seeing in Saudi, what we're seeing in the UAE, uh, and a few other countries, the Saudi and the UAE are the most notable right now, to give us examples, is, 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 is quite positive. Like when I started doing VC around 2006, we were two funds, man. It was horrible. Why? Because we dictated everything. We gave shitty terms. It was amazing as investors, right? Now, there's more equality. There's more uh, people on the table. Optionality. Yes, optionality. Yep. Uh, uh, but the positive thing about it is, yes, there's an inflation. There, there was an inflation. There's a lot of funds with a lot of money, a lot of startups with a lot of money. But what that means is we're going to have a lot of failures. And that's going to be a good thing. People will learn. You reset. The good funnels out. The good companies grow. The good VCs flourish. So I think it's a very healthy thing. You know, for example, in Saudi, how many billion dollars were spent over the past two years to, to, to ignite this ecosystem? They're trying to do what the West took 30, 40 years to do in five. So you have to burn a lot of cash to do that. And that's, you know, that's a positive thing in my mind, right? Because we spent the past 10, 15 years, you know, slowly snail pacing the growth and the approach. And now you've seen it jump and it's become mainstream and we're celebrating it. Like I remember, you know, back in the day, the event called the Celebration of Entrepreneurship when Abraj existed. I don't know if anyone's been to that. That was the, the pinnacle. That was the start. That was around 2010. Was that? I think around 2010, 2011. Uh, obviously, it's not the best example to use, right? You weren't born yet, you yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was here. <laughs> but, you know, it's a completely different ballgame now. And I think governments and, 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 and quasi-government and the support ecosystem is at a lot better stage. And people taking those risks will yield better results, in my opinion. I think if you, if you allow me, just the interesting part here that with more of these initiatives, sometimes people say, oh, there's a lot of initiatives that are happening by the government. There is duplicates. And I think the great thing about this that everybody's trying and everybody's rolling out, right? One or two of these initiatives are going to continue and sustain itself. Yeah. Some will fall. And it goes like a venture game. You're launching like 20 initiatives at the same time. Some will stick. And again, to his point, for example, SVC, Saudi Venture Capital Company, when they started really incentivizing how many funds were created just because yeah. of that incentive, right? It gave the courage to the fund managers, to other, yeah, 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 to the other offices actually to start deploying as well, right? Yeah. So I think it's And if you look at the other side, yes. you know, what we are trying to tell founders is early stage founders, don't raise money, bootstrap, until you've made uh, an MVP, until you've proven that there's early revenue. Then you will get good valuation from investors as well. 
Because if you raise too early and you give away too much equity, yeah. then you're in real trouble by the time you, you need actual money to scale. So yeah. those are things that is... Jahan, how, how much of what happened in Pakistan was top-down and how much it was like grassroots, bottom-up in the ecosystem? The so most of it was bottom-up. Uh, 99%. Yeah, yeah. Most of it was bottom-up. And uh, it's been great to see because, because people have learned from experience. And yes, there have been more seasoned founders that have come in. But there have been founders who come straight out of university and tried things. And until they try things, they don't know whether it will work. And they have actually taught the market how uh, to, you know, actually work in different areas. Pakistan needs, you know, the education system needs disrupting. The healthcare system needs, needs disrupting. And other than the three main cities, the rest of the country is not served. So there's a huge market for them to serve. And once they start doing that, then they start looking at the Middle East and Africa where they can collaborate and do things together. So that's been happening a lot, and it's great to see because, you know, that means growth. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, we have five minutes left, and I want to start by painting the picture of what's about to come. So, Aboudi, uh, you know, we are expecting a couple of quarters, uh, maybe not so pleasant, but how do you foresee the next uh, couple of years coming up after, you know, this whole, uh, you know, well, I, think, I think we've spoken a lot about what founders can do better, but the truth is I think as investors, we need to do better about working together. So I'm going to allude to the fact that we've had the fortunate to, to work together with uh, 500 this year a couple of times, but quite frankly, unless we know, so for example, if I don't know what Isa likes, if I don't know what Amal likes, when a startup comes my way, I'm not going to be able to refer them in the right direction and they're not going to get the feedback they need. So events like this, like Mevka, like Leap, um, like Investopia next week, these are all good starts. But I also think as investors, we can do a better job of attending accelerator demo days, speaking to startups that maybe we wouldn't invest in, but we can still add value by, by virtue of our network. Amazing. And Isa, if you would give an advice for founders in the room uh, about what to expect, uh, how to conduct their uh, journey this year um, in this situation, if they're just starting or about to start or started. Yeah. I'm not going to repeat a lot of the stuff that we've said because I think there's a lot of valuable insights today. But I would say do your homework, right? Yeah. Know, know who you're talking to. Understand the DNA of the investor you're talking to and approach them as such. Not everyone should be your investor. Sure. And I think that goes back to the cap table point you made earlier indirectly. Yeah. But not everyone is a good investor for you. They may be amazing investors, they're not the right investor for you. Yeah. Do your homework. As we DDU, DD us. Talk about our portfolio companies. Talk to the peers. You know, Are we value-add investors? Are we passive investors? What do you want? What do you want out of it? Really do your homework. And um, make sure to raise, and I think you made that point, at least an 18 to 24 month round to ride this wave or this cycle. But more importantly, uh, know your business. If you come and pitch to me and you don't understand your fundamentals, I ask you a detailed question about unit economics, especially if you come to me in the sectors I understand, I'm going to grill you because I know what, I'm, you know what you should be talking about. If you don't know the answer, that's it. You're probably not going to get another meeting with us. Uh, we're getting 100, 150 applications a month. We're a couple of people. So it's finite time. Do your homework. Understand your business yeah. very well. And uh, yeah, just go out we a few months earlier than you thought you wanted to. So don't understate that, though, if you're a founder in the room. Because if you go and you approach a VC and you understand their ethos, what they do well, some of their portfolio companies, if you want to collaborate with some of their portfolio companies, I guarantee you if you're applying via cold email, but you add a little bit of like genuine interest in the VC, you're more likely to get a response. I love what you said about like uh, you do DD them, they must DD you. And 
would you be happy if uh, an, a startup comes and consciously pass on your investment opportunity if they're right making the right decision? Honestly. Hmm? They passed that we offered If they them. pass on you. It happened. It happened. Huh? It happened. Of okay. course. Of course it happens. You know, at the end of the day, it may not be the right ticket. It may not be the right time. You know, it happens. It happens a lot. And honestly, uh, we're persistent. You know, I would go back. So the way you would go back to a VC, I would go back to the entrepreneur, you know, after a period of time. And I say, what has changed with no. you? I think probably the advice here is you're in, you may not feel it but you are in an equal opportunity, right? When you sit on that table, you may feel, and that's what I hear from some of the entrepreneurs, that maybe the investor has the power, but you do have a power. You're actually the real deal. You know, we are the ones that are actually looking to and seeking to invest in you. So you need to make us feel, you know, that you're confident of what you're doing. You need to know what you're building. You cannot not know who's your competition. You cannot not know who are the other players. You cannot say you are exiting or entering this market and you don't know what's happening in this market and you're raising for it. So these are just simple things that we could hear. And honestly, it could be the turn off, right? When I ask you a question and you don't know and it was the obvious that you could Google it and find it. So literally just figure out all of these stuff, sit on an equal kind of relationship, ask what should be asked, ask other entrepreneurs, you know, what is the style of that VC really? That would be the best, you know, way to do it. And I think I heard once a statement from one of the entrepreneurs and, you know, in 500 and he was saying, you know, I will fundraise from investors that I want to make money for, <laughs> you know? And like, it was so interesting that these are people that I want to work with. I want to continue that relationship with, you know, and I know they will provide value. It may not be always the leverage you don't have it you may want the cash now we understand that sometimes you are squeezed in the cash of the runway is so short but again you are sitting on an equal table so just try to think and i think one way. last piece of advice yeah when founders are approaching investors okay the investor may not be interested in yeah. funding you right now yeah. but still use the opportunity to sure. take advice to take you know grab hold of insights that they might have for you because that is invaluable and I think sometimes founders so tend to forget that you can use that time uh, in a way that is Absolutely. valuable for you. And don't end it bad. Yeah. Don't burn bridges. We were talking about we were this just year. Talking about exactly. this Always. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ego aside. Put ego aside. That's yeah. Ego aside. Both, both parts. Of, both you know, of course. We have big egos too, right? But like egos, egos aside. And, yeah. Absolutely. I have a red thing that I tells know, me that I'm time very... is up. But uh, thank you so much for their panelists. Uh, give them a round of applause, please. Uh, we're sticking around if there's any questions. I personally enjoyed and learned a lot from you. Thank you so much. We'll continue for our program. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anrami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.